0: Hello world, welcome to the All Ball Show, presented by Abstract Sports, where we bring sports back to life. I'm your host, Kyle Clay2K. Yes, I am repping a Lakers beanie right now because it's flipping cold in my office slash studio. Uh, I am repping an abstract sports t-shirt as well. If you are interested in purchasing one of these bad boys for the holidays, head on over to abstractsports.com slash shop. You can grab one there. We have a few left in stock, hoping to get rid of those and Uh, Maybe in the next year we can uh, get some new designs up in the shop and and try to really get a shirt shop going. But hey man, life is good. In the last week I've managed to get over all my stress that I was talking about in the previous episode. Uh, Had some epiphanies with the abstract sports thing. I feel like I have those every week but I've made some good progress towards some ideas that I think are going to be really good for the brand. Also had a dentist appointment and that went really well. No issues there. The only thing there is the doctor recommended that I get my wisdom teeth out. Yes, I am 28 years old and I still have wisdom teeth. I only have two on the top, one on each side, uh, and they're both coming in straight and clean. I have no issues with them other than the fact I can't reach them because they're so far back there. My jaw's in the way. Doctor recommended I just get them taken out at the dentist. I have no problem hearing my teeth being broken out of my mouth. As long as the procedure goes smoothly, I should be uh, okay within a week. He said that if I took the Friday off, have that appointment done that day, and take the long weekend to recover I could come back to work the next week maybe a little bit sore but I'll be eating some soft foods for a little bit uh, but hey I'm, I'm cool with mashed potatoes and things like that I'm cool with all, all that stuff that's one interesting thing going on in my life um, not looking forward to it too much but uh, it sounds like it should be pretty easy going. other than that I've just been uh, racking my brain on Christmas shopping ideas I don't know about you guys but I feel like a lot of people put Christmas shopping off, and I tried to make it a point this year, all year long, to be thinking about what to get people for Christmas so I can get those gifts taken care of as early as possible instead of cramming all that spending in the one or two weeks at the end of December. Um, unfortunately, that happened again to me. <laughs> I have a Christmas list. I've had the list for like since January. I'm like, I'm gonna get on top of this, and then I never did it. And here I am, it's early December. And I have not bought any gifts yet. And I have some good ideas for people, but I have to execute those plans. And uh, hopefully they they, they enjoy what they get. But I have faith in myself that I'll get it done. But that's pretty much what my life has been like this last week or so. Um, I have to say that the previous episode, episode 3 of the All Ball Show, was really well received. I published that, I think, on Saturday, uh, which is kind of a weird day for the show. I typically try to get it up on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, But I've been doing a little more research on when the best time is to publish videos. And it seems like Friday, Saturday, Sunday are good days because those are people's lazy days. And depending on the time of the day, it can be a good or bad time to do it. And um, I published it Saturday morning, if I remember right. And that video got like 50 views. It kind of caught me off guard guard because all my other YouTube content does not have that many views. This is probably my third or fourth most viewed video. And it was one of my favorite ones because I kept the episode nice and short. I provided valuable content for the listener, and apparently on YouTube, that was great. I got some listens on Anchor and, the Spotify and uh, on Spotify and iTunes and, you know, the audio outlets. Trying to get my, my views up and my listens up on all platforms. I mean, I have, I have ads running in different places, like on the website and recently on Anchor, and so I'm trying to get views up on all of them, respectively, so I can try to generate some revenue from this podcast I've been doing for almost two years now. Uh, this February, it'll be two years in, and I've done over 60 episodes, so I'm pretty proud of it, and pretty proud of the fact that I'm finally finally finding ways to, to make some money off of this thing, uh, because it's one of those things where talking about sports and doing things with sports has never been something I thought I'd make money doing, because that's not my profession necessarily, but I do love building a brand and designing things around something I love, whether that be basketball or design, whatever it is, but I'm enjoying what I'm doing, and it's cool to see some money coming in, even if it is pennies and nickels on that note i'm excited to get this episode underway we've got a few awesome topics to talk about some sad topics to talk about but overall trying to keep things pretty positive so let's roll into episode four with some basketball news and topics and stuff let's go <laughs> So in the intro, I mentioned that I was going to talk about some sad stories and some positive stories. Well, this one is kind of sad. It's not like super duper sad, but it is unfortunate for this young NBA player's future. Uh, I'm just going to read this article that the NBA put out recently about Markel Fultz. Um, It says, Markel Fultz has been diagnosed with nerve condition. uh, Thoracic outlet syndrome affects area between lower neck and upper chest. And if you know anything about Uh, Markel Fultz, you know that in his, his debut season with the 76ers after being drafted number one overall in 2017 over Lonzo ball at the number two spot, he came into the league. He played about 14 games, I believe. And then he had some kind of injury going on. His shot wasn't working. It seemed like he was, he had the yips. Everybody thought he had the yips, but it turned out he was just hurt. And so he sat out the majority of the season and starting out this year, they thought that he'd get a lot of playing time, but his shot kept on with the, the, the yips, or his shot wasn't working the way it normally did uh, after being a very successful college player. And so here's the article that NBA.com put out. Philadelphia 76ers guard Mar- Markel Fultz is out indefinitely with Auracic Outlet Syndrome. Fultz visited with several specialists to figure out what's ailing him. The Sixers said the specialists have identified a compression or irritation in the area between the lower neck and upper chest. Physical therapy was recommended for Fultz before returning to play. So you could imagine that if there's some kind of compression or issue in your lower neck and upper chest, especially if it's on your right side, you know, and you're shooting a right hand shot or if it's on your left side, even if either one, you know, you're, you're doing this motion either way. That's gonna mess your shot up. And when he shoots foul shots, you can tell there's some sort of miscommunication happening, and nerves. That, that's kind of scary. Don't mess with nerves, man. But that it probably just means that things within his shoulder area are not firing properly. And I'm not a doctor. I'm, I don't think I don't know if that's true or not. But that's what it seems like. And when he shoots his free throw, it does seem a little jerky, like almost like it's like, and then it and then it goes up. It just doesn't look right. And so the rest of the article goes on to say. Fultz's representatives informed the Sixers last month that the guard would be shut down until he had been examined by specialists. Goes on to say Fultz was the number one pick of the 2017 draft. He played just 14 games last season because of a shoulder injury that appeared to affect his shooting mechanics and made him one of the more scrutinized players in the NBA. Fultz lost his starting spot in the rotation when the Sixers traded for Jimmy Butler. The 20-year-old Fultz is averaging 8.2 points, 3.1 assists, and 3.7 rebounds and is shooting 42% from the field. And when he came into the league last year as a rookie, everybody was saying that he was going to be the one to watch. And when he started having this injury problem, um, it clearly became apparent that he wasn't going to be in the running for rookie of the year because he was going to be out for the remainder of the season. It's kind of interesting that the number two overall pick, also a young guard, came in the league, He's like 19, and I think he was like 19 because he came in before he turned 20 from UCLA. He was a one-and-done player. But Lonzo Ball... Number two pick overall also has a broken shot, but his shot is notoriously broken. It's not like his shot's broken because of unexplicable reasons. His shot's broken because he it's not orthodox at all. He brings it across his body. Everybody knows. Or if you're watching or listening to the All Ball Show, you you know about Lonzo Ball and his terrible shot. But he brings it across the, the left side of his body as a right-handed shooter. Just And he he says it's because he wasn't strong enough in his first year. That's why it was so bad. This year, his mechanics are better just because he's gotten stronger. He's in the weight room a lot, also injured as a young player. Go figure. But I just think it is kind of ironic or coincidental that the two num- the two top two overall picks in the NBA have broken jumpers, one due to injury and one because of years of poor practice. Either way, I feel bad for Mar- Markel Fultz. He has been scrutinized in a very big way because people thought that he was just not shooting well because of the pressure and being in the NBA at such a young age. But it turns out that it is a medical thing. It is something that needs, needs physical therapy. And so it turns out that they are going to put him through that as you know until he can be clear to play. He's going to do physical therapy, get his shot right, get his body right, and then come back strong. I still think he's going to be a viable option in the NBA for several years to come. Now, when I say the name Derek Fisher, what thought comes to mind? Seriously, think about the first thing that that comes to mind when you hear the name Derek Fisher. Could be a number of things. For me, as a Laker fan, there are a lot of things that come to mind. Uh, One thing is that he's a five-time champion. He played with Kobe and Shaq, Powell, Andrew Bynum, Lamar Odom, all those guys. Um, Very successful basketball player, high IQ, uh, which is the reason he went on to become a coach of the Knicks. And the news that broke yesterday is that Derek Fisher is now going to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Sparks. The WNBA team. So for those of you who are not that familiar with Derek Fisher, I've pulled up the good old handy Wikipedia page uh, and I'm going to just read off sort of his introduction so you have a a general scope of of who Derek Fisher is, uh, but there are some key points in his playing career that are worth noting. Obviously this is important because it's an NBA player who was an NBA coach also. Um, He was in the NBA as a player for almost 20 years coached the Knicks for a little bit and then he was the scapegoat is what people call him the scapegoat of New York and he was fired and then he went to be an analyst and now he is a coach of the WNBA this is big news because you don't really see a lot of crossover like that and more to come on that there have been players from the WNBA who've moved on to be part of coaching staffs in the NBA and recruiting staffs in the NBA Um, but it's kind of rare that you see the switch going from NBA to WNBA. And Derek Fisher is one of those stories. Derek Lamar Fisher was born on August 9th, 1974. He is 44 years old. He is an American basketball coach and former player who is head coach for the Los Angeles Sparks of the Women's National Basketball Association. He played professionally in the, in the NBA for 18 seasons, spending the majority of his career with the Los Angeles Lakers, with whom he won five NBA championships. He has also served as president of the National Basketball Players Association, or NBPA. Fisher played college basketball for the Arkansas Little Rock Trojans, earning the Sun Belt Conference Player of the Year in 1996. Man, that's a long time ago. I was six years old. Selected by the Lakers with the 24th pick in the 1996 NBA draft, he spent his first eight seasons with the franchise winning three consecutive league championships from 2000 to 2002 with teammates Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal and coach Phil Jackson. Represent. After the 03-04 NBA season, he signed as a free agent with the Golden State Warriors. Ooh, before they were successful, later being traded to the Utah Jazz, which I forgot about. Whom he helped lead to the Western Conference Finals due to his daughter's death. Oh, oh my, this got serious. <clears throat> due to his daughter's health. Oh, it wasn't death. It was health. My goodness, still terrible. He asked to be released from his contract in 2007. He rejoined the Lakers and won two more NBA titles with Bryant and Jackson. See, that's one thing. Reading this, I forgot that the dude even left the Lakers that early. I didn't realize he went to the Jazz either. I forgot about that. That was so long ago. But he left, went to the Warriors for a couple years, went to the Jazz, and he helped the Jazz get to the Western Conference Finals. That's just weird. I don't even remember that. How? I was, I, was, I was still young. I was not even an adult yet. I guess I was an adult, but that's just crazy. All I remember is Derek Fisher wearing a Lakers uniform. Anyway. In 2012, he was traded to the Houston Rockets, where he bought out his contract and was waived at his request. He then joined the Oklahoma City Thunder, that I kind of remember, uh, for the remainder of the season, playing for the 2012 NBA championship in his eighth finals appearance. After signing with the 2012-2013 Dallas Mavericks, he played only nine games before being injured and asked to be released from his contract. He later rejoined Oklahoma City Thunder for a late-season push. He re-signed with them in the offseason and played it in a team-high 81 regular-season games for the team in 2013-2014. The following season, he was hired as the head coach of the New York Knicks by Jackson, Phil Jackson, mind you, uh, the coach that he had when he was with the Lakers, who had become the team's president. He was fired in 2016 and has since been featured as a broadcast television analyst on Turner Sports NBA Programming. Fisher also joined Spectrum Sportsnet for the 2016-17 and nba season to work as an in-studio analyst for the los angeles lakers on january 19th 2017 fisher was announced as one of the analysts for turner sports new players only programming slate and so that brings us to the part where he is now the head coach of the los angeles sparks of the WNBA. there are a lot of stories that come to mind with fisher uh, mostly the fact that he was a part of the playoff runs for the Lakers over the years. The story that I remember the most about Derek Fisher is the point four shot. Point four shot refers to a game-winning buzzer beater that Fisher hit against the defending champion Spurs back in 2004 of the Western Conference Semifinals. It was a close game with 11 seconds remaining. Kobe hit a jump shot to put the Lakers up 72-71, to Uh, Tim Duncan then made a fadeaway 18-footer over Shaq to give the Spurs a 73-72 lead with 0.4 seconds on the clock. I was at my friend Sean's house at the time. Um, I was over there hanging out, and while I was there having dinner, they were like, hey, the Lakers-Spurs game is on. I'm like, we got to watch that. So we went downstairs and we were watching the game, and it came down to this final shot. Here's how it went down, according to Wikipedia. (laughs) To devise strategies, three consecutive timeouts were called. The first by the Lakers, the second by the San Antonio Spurs to set up the defense, and the last by the Lakers to reset up the offense. Because players go out there on the court, they show the play they're going to do, and the other team will call a timeout being like, ha, we know what you're going to do now. Let's see if you have another one of those. So they did that twice back and forth. Uh, Kind of an interesting strategy there. When the game resumed, Gary Payton, whom some of you probably forgot played for the Lakers, yes, he did, Gary Payton inbounded the ball to Fisher, who managed to catch turn, and shoot the game-winning basket all in 0.4 seconds. Fisher sprinted off the court as he later admitted he was uncertain he beat the buzzer and wanted to exit before the play could be reviewed. The Spurs immediately filed a dispute regarding the shot and after reviewing the footage of the play, the referees concluded that the ball indeed left Fisher's hands before the clock expired. The .4 shot counted, and the Lakers won the game by a score of 74-73. Now, that's pretty epic, and nowadays in the NBA, they say that if there's .3, like, you have to have at least .3 seconds on the clock to get a jump shot off. That's the rule now, pretty much. If it's .2, and they go to take a jump shot, they just call the game. Like, nope, we're not even going to try that. If it's under .3 seconds, it's literally got to be a lob to the rim and a tap-in. It can't be anything more than that. But the Lakers ended up winning that series in Game 6, and, you know, with the momentum from... Derek Fisher, giving them the lead 3-2. They had a lot of momentum going into that next game, uh, but they proceeded to defeat the Minnesota Timberwolves to clinch the Western Conference Championship, but were upset in the NBA Finals by the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, the Detroit Pistons back then were a good team. Ben Wallace, Richard Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace. Yeah, that's a pretty scary team. Heavy heavy on the defense with Ben Wallace down low and Rashid Wallace. Pretty crazy. 0. 0.4 seconds. But that's where his career kind of went crazy. Went all over the place. Went to the Warriors from 04 to 06. Jazz from 06 to 07. Uh made the playoffs with the Jazz and the Western Conference Finals, which I didn't even remember happened. Uh, second run with the Lakers from 2007 to t- 2012. And again, I think that's probably why I mostly remember Lakers, because he was with them for eight years and he came back for five more years. So a lot of Lakers jerseys is all I remember. Uh, vaguely the OKC uniform, it's kind of an iconic look, but um, nothing stands out more in my mind than the purple and gold. But he had the second run with the Lakers, then the Rockets, then the Thunder, and the Mavericks, all within two thousand, the year 2012, uh, and then his return to OKC for 2013-2014. And literally after the 2013-2014 season, Derek Fisher became a coach for the New York Knicks. It's very clear in that decision that Derek Fisher has a high IQ for the game of basketball. Phil Jackson knows that because he coached him for several years for several championships. And so it doesn't blow my mind that he is getting picked up by any basketball team to be their coach in a professional on the professional stage. Uh, So now it says on December 5th, 2018 Fisher was hired by the Los Angeles Sparks to be the team's head coach. I find it very, very cool and very interesting that he's going to the WNBA. He brings a lot of expertise a lot of experience with him clearly it didn't work out with the New York Knicks but I think it sometimes it really just depends on the situation you're in but having him as the coach I think the LA Sparks are going to be a great team perhaps his familiarity with the Los Angeles area will give them some better experience than him being in, in New York with Phil I don't know I'm, I'm grasping at straws here I think that he can be a great coach he was a smart player he's just got to find that groove and if he's successful there he might come back to the NBA Um, I imagine that going to the NBA is probably his goal because there's more money in the NBA and that's just because of viewership and all that stuff. On the other hand, maybe he can help give some relevancy to the WNBA. And by that, I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that when there's a connection going from one league to another, um, it helps bring some fans over to it because they want to see how that situation turns out. So perhaps some Lakers or Derek Fisher fans well, follow and go watch some Sparks games because they have somebody they know around that and then learn about the Sparks from there. And, you know, it just takes one one little nugget to help grow interest in something else. And I think Derek Fisher has the potential to be that, that nugget for some people. All right, we've talked about a lot of real basketball stuff, and there's still more to come, but why not talk about some virtual basketball for a bit? It is about time for season two of NBA 2K League. Uh, for those of you who don't know... The NBA 2K League is the fourth member of the NBA family. So you have the NBA, you have the WNBA, you have NBA G League, which is the developmental league for the NBA, and then you have the NBA 2K League, which is a online gaming equivalent of the NBA. Last year in the first year of its existence, they had 17 teams participate They held a draft just like you would for an NBA team, except it was the beginning of a league. So there were 102 players available for drafting. Each team got six players to go on their squad. When this came out, I was extremely excited. I wanted to be at the forefront of something that has the potential to be massive. I know what the NBA 2K community is like on Twitter and online on Instagram and stuff like that. On Twitch especially, people uh, showcasing their skills in the game. Um, I wanted to be at the forefront of the media portion of sharing and talking about these players because uh, they also have stories, a very unique story where they go from playing a video game a lot because they love to do it and they're bored or whatever it is. They, They love what they do with that. And perhaps they have a job or they go to school as adults and they play the game a lot because they enjoy it and they maybe make money doing it, streaming it or whatever it is, but they love the game. And now they have the opportunity to make money doing that. How cool is that? I thought that was just so invigorating, especially because the the requirements are that you are 18 by the time that you are able to get drafted and you have an internet connection and you have a copy of NBA 2K19 on PlayStation 4 or Xbox One. That's all you need to qualify. So if you have the dedication and you have the commitment to want to be an NBA 2K League player, you can. You just have to be good and play a lot. So let's talk about what it takes to become an NBA 2K League player. So I'm looking at, nba 2k league's website and i'm going to read off the qualifier information for this coming season season two basically for the entire month of november uh from november 2nd to november 27th which has passed that is when the qualifying round is and what you have to do within that month is as follows to measure commitment and skill each player will be required to win 100 games in nba 2k 19's pro-am mode which is a five-on-five mo- mode uh, or at the Jordan Rec Center, also a five-on-five mode. So both of those things, you can you can go in with a squad of players that you are comfortable playing with, and you can all do really well together and showcase your skills. Uh, so that makes it a lot easier. So if you're a community-oriented player where you have friends who play the game, you can all help each other get to the NBA 2K League potentially. But the idea is that you, you have to win 100 games, and in doing so, you have to have at least a 50% winning percentage. In order to advance in the process. So for example, if a player competes in 300 games, they must win 150 of their games to achieve a 50% winning percentage. If a player wins 100 games, but competes in more than 200, they will not qualify. If a player does not compete, complete a game or quits while a game is in progress, that will count as a loss. Pretty straightforward, but that is a lot of playing time. 100 games, I think the quarters are like five or six minutes. So each game, Potentially lasts about 30 minutes, probably more than that. 30 minutes times 100? That's so long. If 30 is half an hour, so 0.5, times 100, that's 50 hours of playing time. That's insane. That really does show your commitment and skill. If you're able to win 100 games and play 50 hours doing it, you probably have to w- play more than 50 hours because maybe it takes you more than 100 games to, or more than 200 games to get to your 50%. Holy smokes. That's a lot of time. Each participant must also complete an online application. That's just like any other job application. I believe online applications will include questions on general applicant information, gaming background, basketball IQ. What do you know? A real world thing being applied to a virtual world application, uh, NBA 2K IQ, and an audio submission about why the applicant wants to be drafted into the NBA 2K league. So this process is very thorough and allows them to pick the players that will help tell the narrative of the NBA 2K League for the years to come. So after you've completed those things, you go on to the NBA Combine. The NBA Combine is through the month of December. The best players will be identified and made eligible for the 2019 NBA 2K League draft. They also actually plan to do tournaments overseas overseas to try and bring in some international players for some diversity and things like that. One thing I will say, being a virtual platform, I think that the NBA 2K League has a massive opportunity in being able to bridge the gender gap in sports. You know, I was talking about Derek Fisher earlier in the episode who made the transition from being a player for 18 years, played. he was also also a head coach for the Knicks for a couple years, got fired and went to be an analyst, talk about basketball in general, and now he's going to be the coach of a WNBA team. You also have players like Becky Hammond from the WNBA who were legends and have made the crossover to the NBA as a coaching staff member. More on her in a little bit. I think that because this is a virtual platform, why not make the ability to create female characters in the game so that girls can feel accepted and feel more welcomed to playing the game? Because it is a video game, I think it's an obvious solution but there are there are people out there who will say but it's the NBA and the NBA is a men's league and you know they'll be like that but I'm like it's a virtual world and girls are allowed to to apply it doesn't say that you have to be a dude to play in the NBA 2K league so why not welcome that and and celebrate that as a thing you know having women play in the NBA 2K league I think that'd be awesome It's not like they're shunning them away. I saw that Brennan Donahue has interacted with some female NBA 2K players on Twitter saying that, hey, you might be the first one. Just make sure you complete all the requirements. And as long as you showcase your skills, you can be drafted. So pretty awesome. I hope that this becomes a thing. It's got to become a thing. So you've met the initial requirements To be a part of the NBA 2K League, now you move on to the NBA 2K League Combine. Here's what that entails. Players from the Americas and Europe need to complete a minimum of 40 games at one position, and players from every other region need to complete a minimum of 30 games at one position, all during preset time windows. Combine dates and playing windows will be announced at a later date. And so I think that's already been announced. I mean, it's December now. There's got to be some news out there somewhere. The structure of it all. The NBA 2K League Combine will take place within the NBA 2K19 game on Xbox One or PS4. Of course, the Combine will be available for players who met the requirements of the qualifier. Combine games will be a 5-on-5 format with each participant competing with and against 9 other qualifiers in full games. There are 5 archetypes within each position to select from for each game. All archetypes will have an equal skill level of a 90 rating. Hey, I'm almost at a 90 on my player. Wow, I'm at 89 right now. Okay, then they announced the playing windows. So if, you made, if you've made the initial step into the process and you've qualified for the combine, you can start playing in the windows. It started on December 8th. It starts on December 8th. So here's what the draft pool is going to look like. Through the qualifying process, the NBA 2K League will determine a pool of at least 150 new players who will be eligible for the 2019 NBA 2K League draft. In addition to the pool of at least 150 new players, the draft will also consist of players who competed in the inaugural season who were not protected by their original team for Season 2 and successfully met the combine requirements. So you still have to get into the combine. As a, If you were a part of Season 1, you have to get through the combine and prove yourself. But if you were in the league last year, you have a shoe-in to be able to get to get back in. So the draft pool looks like this. It started with 102 players in the inaugural season who got drafted. Six players per team, 17 teams. After the first year, they could only keep two players. They can protect two players per team. And now that they've had the expansion draft, there are 21 teams. So 21 teams times two for the number of players. There are 42 players on currently on rosters. So 42, you take the, the initial 102 minus 42, you've got 60 players from the inaugural season going into season two. According to the NBA 2K League, players who were not protected by their original team for season two and successfully met the combine requirements, they are added to the pool. So potentially 210 players in this second season's draft pool. With 210 players available, there are only a certain number of spots to be picked so they need four more players per team 21 times four is 84 so only 84 of those potentially 210 players are going to be drafted leaving about two-thirds of them out in the cold um, waiting for season three to happen but as you can see this pool might get bigger and bigger over time players will fall off who are no longer interested they'll keep adding players in and they'll have a good idea of the players they want to put in And the game is going to become more and more competitive. I know that that's probably a lot of information for people who probably aren't as interested in the NBA 2K world as I am. But I do think it is really interesting how people who've been playing video games all their lives. You know, I played a lot of video games all my life and I played a lot of NBA 2K. And just in the last few years, I've uh, really got sucked into that vortex of how cool it is that you can learn from NBA 2K about what's going on in the real world. They put out regular content talking about current stories in the NBA, and they, they really meshed the NBA with the 2K franchise really well. And I've enjoyed that the last few years, and this is me talking about that because I love it. Also, I've been putting out articles about the NBA 2K League on AbstractSports.com, and it's generated a lot of traffic for me. And so I've got to keep that up, not only because it's bringing me viewers to my website, but also because I enjoy doing it. And with that, I'll just let you know that that combine starts in a couple days and players are going to be grinding. So if you're in the NBA 2K League combine, I wish you the best of luck. I hope you go out there and crush it. And good luck with your endeavors in trying to get to the NBA 2K League. All right, Abstract Sports Nation, that brings us to our final segment of today's episode, the Most Valuable People segment, where we talk about people in the basketball world who are Doing more than just being a basketball player, being a basketball coach, or being involved with the sport of basketball. They're being better people in one way or another. And today's prospect for most valuable person is Becky Hammond. Rebecca Lynn Hammond is a Russian-American assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs of the National Basketball Association and a retired professional basketball player from the WNBA. Hammond played for the San Antonio Stars and New York Liberty of the WNBA, as well as multiple basketball teams outside of the U.S., Hammond, who was born and grew up in the the United States, became a naturalized Russian citizen in 2008 and represented the Russian national team in 2008 and 2012 Olympics. On August 5, 2014, Hammond was hired by the Spurs as an assistant coach, becoming the second female assistant coach in NBA history and the first full-time assistant coach. This also makes her the first full-time female assistant coach in any of the four major professional sports in North America. That's pretty darn big. On July 3rd, 2015, the Spurs announced that Hammond would be the team's summer league head coach, the first woman to be a head coach in that league. Hammond led the Spurs to the Las Vegas Summer League title on July twentieth, twenty fifteen. How cool is that, man? Gosh, that's so neat. Not only is she a woman as a coach in the NBA, but she's from Russia. Uh <laughs> I didn't know that part, actually. I think that's awesome. And not only that, one thing that Wikipedia doesn't mention in her initial bio is that she got a promotion this summer. Uh, The Spurs announced in the summertime that they promoted Hammond and that she will fill the spot vacated by James Borrego on the team's roster of assistant coaches. So she's moving up the ladder a little bit. But the reason that I picked Becky Hammond as the most valuable person of this episode, it's because of some statements that she made on perception of the WNBA, especially because Becky Hammond has been a professional and elite player in the WNBA and abroad, as well as an assistant coach for an NBA team in the San Antonio Spurs. I think that she has profound perspective on this issue. And that's a big reason why people should listen to this because she has been a part of both parties where there is a gender gap. So I mentioned that she got the promotion As an assistant coach for the San Antonio Spurs, it was a huge moment for her. But according to this article on TotalProSports.com, she still feels like she and other current and former WNBA players are not getting the proper respect for their accomplishments. goes on to say the disrespect isn't coming from her peers, but more so regular Joe Schmoes on the street and on the internet. The former WNBA star talked about this fact on a recent Links Off podcast where she stated that great players like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and Magic Johnson can respect what WNBA players are doing, but lesser-known people are keeping the disrespect alive and well. Here's her exact quote. It is baffling how LeBron James, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, all these guys can come up and be like, I see you out there and appreciate what we're doing, and then Joe Schmo at the YMCA is like, oh, I could take you. You know, I, I feel like this happens a lot, but I also do think that people like Joe Schmo at the YMCA, they say that because like, oh, you're a woman, I can beat you, I'm stronger than you. And that's so submissive and manipulative and terrible, because I bet that these girls can whoop your ass, dude. Like, their, their understanding of basketball is is greater than yours. They've played professionally, and WNBA players are are notorious for fundamental basketball, and that's what wins. That they know all the right moves, man. Like, you would not beat them. It just blows my mind that guys out there think like that, because they are, they're not respecting the experience that these players have in the WNBA and abroad. You know, they're they are notorious for being fundamental basketball players. Sure, it may not be as entertaining as the NBA just because of the lack of athleticism, but that's all biological. Because of that, they're able to show off what the true game of basketball really is, and you have to respect that. I think a Joe Schmoe saying that at the YMCA uh, is just one of those guys who can't admit being able to be beaten by a woman. And I'm a guy who is okay to admit that there are girls out there I've played against who are much better than me at basketball in terms of hitting shots, being consistent and crushing you on defense and blowing past me on the offense. Like there are girls out there that are just flat out better than me. And it's obvious the people around me, people on my team knew that. And they let me know that because I was not, I'm just not as good as them. I think that these words from dudes and on the internet, comes from a place where they're like not having the experience to know any better. And I'm not giving them any kind of discount like that. They, they deserve the crap that's coming at them. But in the end, Becky Hammond is our most valuable person of this episode, simply because she is helping bridge the gender gap between the WNBA and the NBA and spurring discussions no pun intended spurs, <laughs> spurring discussions around the topic that uh, women can perform at a professional level in a sport that it belongs to a different sex like just because you're a woman doesn't mean you can't be a professional assistant coach in the nba who's to say that one day maybe women don't play in the nba i mean sure people will say that's what the wnba is for it's like well maybe the wnba can be a a developmental league for super elite girl players who want to go up to the nba and play against the best of the best i mean those are all very controversial topics and i'm walking lightly I'm tiptoeing through it because I want to make sure I get the words right. I mean, no offense. I mean, no harm. I am on everybody's side. I want the best for everybody. And I think that, that women do deserve more respect in the WNBA and the people who talk about them plain and simple. I just want to see a video title. That's like Becky Hammond goes ham on Joe Schmoes at the YMCA. And it's just clips of her shredding them to pieces, putting them on skates and breaking their ankles and getting to the rack and scoring a perfected layup that she's learned in her several years of professional basketball experience. I want to see that. Please make it happen. Let's go. All right, Abstract Sports Nation. With that, we have concluded Episode 4 of the All Ball Show presented by Abstract Sports, where we bring sports back to life. I am your host, Kyle Clay 2K. Be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at KyleClay2K. Also, follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at AllBallShow. Also, if you're a YouTuber or a YouTube person who likes to listen or watch on YouTube, shout out to your boy Clay. Uh, Always dropping comments on every episode. Love you, man. Uh, Just subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube.com and do a search for Abstract Sports. Find our logo. It looks like this. It's an A with an S running through it. Um, also, we're all we're trying to get listens up on the Anchor channel. Um, you can find our podcast on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere that you get your audio content in the form of a podcast. So follow us on your favorite one. And if you want to support the brand as more than just a listener, reader, or viewer, please head over to abstractsports.com slash shop and buy one of our t-shirts, rep the brand, and We will grow and we'll keep on putting out awesome content for you guys. Well, guys, that does it for me. I hope you have a great week this week and uh, we'll see you in the next one. All right. Peace out.